0: Welcome to the VO2 Lounge, a podcast dedicated to exploring the science behind current fitness trends. I'm not a sports scientist or a doctor, just an engineer with a passion for exercise performance. I spend hours delving into various sources and sit down a few times a month to discuss various topics, breaking down papers, articles and publications to better understand them, saving you from endless internet scrolling. How fast do we lose muscle when we start working out? We're going to go through the effects of bed rest which are the most extreme example of atrophy inducing situation. We're going to go through two months and two weeks off and that's complete cold turkey still. We're going to go through intermittent training and reductions in volume and how that will influence uh, muscle deterioration over the long term. We're going to address the muscle memory concepts and whether it is what we once believed or whether there is new evidence suggesting that muscle memory still exists, definitely exists, but how exactly, what is the method of action of said muscle memory and then some practical applications and what you can do to ensure that if you've got a planned or unplanned period of detraining on the horizon, what you should do to maintain as much muscle mass throughout that period. Now, Strength training increases muscular strength, induces hypertrophy, and provides numerous other positive health benefits including improved functional ability, cardiometabolic risk profile, and general well-being. Strength training is therefore recommended as an interventional strategy for general population and not just to look buff. There are often times in people's lives where training will be interrupted. This could be because of life catching up with you or the opposite reason of going on holiday, for example. A typical strength and hypertrophy program for untrained or intermediately trained adults involves training all major muscle groups with two to four sets of eight to 10 exercises for three to 12 repetitions with two to minutes rest between sets, carried out over two to four uh, times per week. They can often include a warm up. Uh, stretching resulting in them in often exceeding over an hour now although this is not uh, as time consuming as endurance training it's still considerable amount of time and effort that you uh, may not always be able to keep up or have equipment available to provide adequate stimulus so what does the science say about losing muscle mass now let's start off with the most extreme example of uh, a atrophy-inducing scenario, which is bed rest. Um, although the person listening to this is more likely to that they will still be moving, this provides a useful worst-case scenario. And I acknowledge that there will be some people um, listening to this episode for the purpose of they have got maybe a planned operation or unplanned operation that they are concerned about and would like to know how do they mitigate the atrophy. Um, that is going to occur during this bed rest period so a paper titled skeletal muscle disuse atrophy is not an attenuated by dietary protein supplementation in healthy older men now this study investigated the impact of dietary protein supplementation on muscle uh, preser- preservation during a short period of limb mobilization in healthy older men the researchers hypothesized that providing A protein supplement twice daily would help attenuate muscle loss during this period. The study involved 23 healthy older men, with one group receiving protein supplementation and the other not receiving any, during a 5-day one-legged knee immobilization period. Now, The protein supplement contains 20.7 grams of protein, 9.3 grams of carbohydrates and 3 grams of fat. So somewhat typical really of some protein supplements you can get more leaned-out versions, but essentially a protein shake. Contrary to the hypothesis, the findings indicate that protein supplementation did not uh, attenuate the observed muscle loss during the 5-day immobilization period. Both the group receiving the protein supplement and the control group without supplementation experienced substantial decrease in muscle mass and strength, with no significant differences between the two groups. The study concludes by highlighting the importance of considering exercise, physical activity and potentially other uh, nutritional compo- compounds sorry, such as creatine or omega-3 fatty acids as complementary strategies to support muscle maintenance during periods of disuse. The role of dietary strategies in facilitating rehabilitation following disuse is also emphasized encouraging future research in the area. So how much mass and strength did they lose? Well, reading um, of the graph, they saw about 7.5% reduction in single leg strength and 1.5% reduction in quad croc sectional area. Now, I don't know how much this transfers to um, an actual weight because you don't know what they're starting off as and the percentage of everything. But essentially, what was most interesting for me is, as they've said, contrary to popular belief, the supplementation of protein without the stimulus of exercise is still not enough to preserve uh, muscle mass. So going cold turkey on exercising and just supplementing it with an increased amount of protein is not sufficient to maintain all of your gains. So it promotes the fact that still some kind of exercise needs to be performed to help induce this. Now good for people is that you're not going to go on complete bed rest. Even moving around, walking around throughout your daily uh, chores, lifting a mug is enough stimulation to enhance the effect of preserving muscle and it's the fact that the muscle is not being used at all that is leading to this drastic rate of atrophy. So next let's look at a less severe protocol and assume you are able to move but the duration is longer such as 8 weeks which is going to be more typical of an individual taking a break from the gym. A study titled uh, AKT signaling through GSK3 beta mTOR and FOXO1 is involved in human skeletal muscle hypertrophy and atrophy. Now this study is two pronged as as it investigated the way up and the way down so muscle gain and muscle loss the study investigates the regulation of skeletal muscle size in uh, humans focusing on the interplay between anabolic and catabolic signaling pathways specifically the role of akt and its downstream targets in muscle hypertrophy and atrophy was examined The researchers conducted measurements in human quadricep muscle uh, biopsies taken after eight weeks of hypertrophy-stimulating resistance training and atrophy-stimulating detraining. In the hypertrophy phase, there was approximately a 10% increase in muscle size, which is quite impressive if you think about it. Eight weeks of of resistance training and there's a 10% increase in muscle size. Now, whether this is completely... um, contractile tissue, or if a large amount of this could be uh, just fluid, hard to say, but accompanied by elevated levels of phospho-AKT, phospho-GSK3-beta, and phospho-MTOR, indicating activation of the anabolic pathways. On the other hand, the detraining period resulted in a 5% decrease in muscle size relative to the post-training size, with the reduced levels of all three previous uh, mentioned uh, things and indicating diminished anabolic signaling. An increase in FOXO1 suggests that the upregulation of the catabolic signaling. So, they've clearly here you can see how obviously diet is not mentioned here, but clearly, a extremely potent signaling factor is the training status. Is the individual stimulating the muscle? to grow or to uh, maintain itself or is the individual not providing a stimulus to that muscle because a five percent reduction in muscle size is now pretty uh, drastic i mean it's half the rate at which it was gained because eight weeks on eight weeks off half the reduction but still, it's a large amount of muscle loss. This gives us much better insight into what is likely to happen to us on a two-month break as these individuals are still mobile and were trained to some extent rather than going from untrained to bedridden states, uh, possibly the worst uh, type of individuals to go on bed rest, which was the first study. These individuals were untrained and I think somewhat elderly, not like they were in their 80s, but they weren't 20 years old. So bringing it down to what is probably going to be the most common period of detraining, two weeks. The study titled Resistance Training Induced elevations in muscle strength in trained men are maintained after two weeks of detraining and not differently affected by a whey protein supplementation gives insight into this. The study conducted um, aimed to investigate the impact of two weeks of detraining period on resistance trained men who had undergone a four week resistance training program. The participants divided into whey protein and carbohydrate supplement groups followed a four day per week resistance training program for four weeks followed by a two um, week detraining period and finally a four week training uh, period also a retraining period throughout the 10 week study leg press strength was consistently elevated importantly there was no observed decrease in leg press strength um, after the 2 week detraining period in either the whey protein or carbohydrate supplement groups, notably although not statistically significant both groups appeared to retain lean mass after a detraining phase, these findings suggest that a short term period of detraining lasting only two weeks may not compromise lower body strength in young resistance trained men. Interestingly, the study implies that a use of 25 grams of whey protein post-exercise did not differentially affect the retention of muscular strength during the detraining phase. However, individual responses to detraining and retraining may vary underscoring the importance of personalized uh, considerations in exercise and supplementation regimes. So, You've got both kind of factors here. Um, the protein post-exercise not differentially affecting the retention of muscular strength um, during the detraining phase just shows to you that protein is almost the... Uh, it Because well, it is quite literally used to build it. If there's no stimulation to build the muscle or retain the muscle, then clearly the protein is just going to float away and be used to just fuel the body generally eventually at some at some point. So the key here is even if you are going away, it looks to be like even if you are a power lifter or even a bodybuilder lifting a substantial weight, just maintaining something like bodyweight squats or press-ups for just that two week period and trying to target all the muscles a little bit is clearly going to be the best way to prioritise and maintain any muscle mass you're trying to... Given that I've just mentioned there, the end, this importance of intermittent training, let's move on to that itself and see um, how this can work. If we look at a study titled Effects of Periodic and Continued Resistance Training on Muscular CSA and strength in previously untrained men, we get an idea that these small breaks in training do not have much of an overall effect of strength and muscle mass outcomes in the long term. The study aimed to investigate muscle adaptions to retraining after short-term detraining by comparing continuous and interrupted resistance training in previously untrained men. 15 young men were divided into two groups, containing training and retraining, both groups engaged in high-intensity bench press training. Now, the uh, continuous training group trained continuously for 15 weeks, while the retraining group trained for 6 weeks, underwent a 3-week detraining period and then resumed training at week 10. After the initial training phase, both groups exhibited significant increases in one repetition max and cross-sectional areas of biceps, uh, bicep brachii, and pectoral major muscles, as measured by magnetic uh, resonance imaging. Now, these improvements were comparable between the two groups. Uh, Sorry magnetic resonance imaging may have just gone over some people's head just an MRI essentially now during the subsequent continuous training phase um, the uh, continuous training group experienced continuous increases in muscle um, CSA and one rep max uh, contractual cross-sectional area sorry however the rate of muscle adaptions was lower after the last six weeks of training compared to the initial phase in contrast the uh retrained group slash the break group did not show significant decreases in muscle cross-sectional area and one rep max after the three-week deep training period. Moreover, the increase in muscle contractile surface area observed after the training were similar to those observed after the initial training phase. Ultimately, both groups demonstrated similar improvements in one rep max and total muscle size after the full 15-week training period. The results suggest that three week detraining period does not hinder muscle adaptions compared to continuous 15 week training the study implies that interrupted training with a short detraining phase may be effective approach without compromising overall muscle gains so again sort of uh, backing up what the two weeks detraining suggested that short break isn't going to kill you in fact it might actually help you physically and mentally reset now obviously if your end goal you're striving for a a target continuous training uh allows it allows for more errors to some extent it allows for you to uh something to come up and for you to take two days off that you weren't meant to and then come back to it whereas if you schedule in for example these three weeks because to some extent i looked at this and thought well if someone's got extremely uh busy life maybe a busy family life or something they can control but at some point it does have to take priority then you could look at this as being you could do three weeks of really going at it and then taking a week or two weeks off or just doing body weight stuff at home just to keep a stimulus there and then go back to using the dream regularly for another two three weeks then taking another week or two weeks off and you could sort of the long it's going to take you probably longer because I know this is only 15 weeks but it's going to definitely uh, see improvements so next we'll kind of move on to training volume and a reduction in volume and what effect does it have on muscle mass and strength looking at a study titled exercise dosing to retain resistance training adaptions in young and old adults will give us an idea in how reducing volume will affect your overall gains. This study represents a novel exploration into the dose response uh, efficacy of various resistance training uh, prescriptions and aim to maintaining progressive adaptions, uh, while also investigating potential age-related differences in maintaining requirements. Notably, once per week, exercises dose generally prove sufficient to sustain positive neuromuscular adaptions, however, age-specific disparities emerged in the minimum dose needed to maintain muscle size. Among the young, a clear dose-response effect was observed, with one-third volume maintenance dosing leading to continued hypertrophy and strength gains, while one-ninth volume effectively preserved improvements. In contrast, older individuals did not maintain muscle size with either prescription, although both maintained strength gains. The study's primary objective was not merely to evoke typical changes in skeletal muscle following resistance training, but to assess optimal training volumes for retraining these benefits, particularly in older adults during periods of reduced exercise frequency. The training effects were explored with findings aligning with existing literature indicating that strength gains from resistance training persist for several months even after training cessation. Interestingly maintenance prescriptions of one uh, day per week were uh, were effective for sustaining strength in both age groups, with the young continuing to increase strength beyond initial levels. They delved into muscle mass changes during detraining, highlighting a disassociation between muscle growth and strength gains. Both young and old retrained substantial improvements in specific strength throughout de-training, suggesting that persistence of non-muscle mass adaptions affecting strength performance. Now, The older group maintained a specific strength above pre-training young subjects throughout de-training, underscoring the enduring uh, impact of a relatively short period of heavy resistance training on neuromuscular function. The study investigated the dose response of efficacy of maintenance prescriptions in preventing uh, reversal of uh, the myofibre type shift induced by resistance training. While approximately half the shift reverted by 16 weeks of detraining, one third maintenance dose fully preserved the shift, emphasizing the importance of dosage in maintaining specific myofibre adaptions. In conclusion, the study highlights the positive effects of resistance training, recommending it's a primary intervention strategy to combat the detrimental impacts of sarcopenia, particularly among aging population. Findings indicate that progressive resistance training should be sustained indefinitely for the health of functional status of all individuals, with attention to age-specific maintenance dose requirements. This is something you will see um, pushed and given an extreme amount of airtime on podcasts such as the PRT Drive because simply it preserves muscle and builds muscle better than anything else you could possibly do. No diet is going to give you the ability to hold a 3-year-old, 4-year-old and pick them up off the ground at 80, whereas resistance training simply will or should enable it, let's let's not say will, because there's so many other factors, but it's going to have a greater effect than any other intervention possible. And for one, straight out of the science of bro, has plenty of anecdotes going around to support it, and for quite a long time it was thought to be proven in science with studies suggesting that muscle nuclei gained during training are permanent this is muscle memory. Let's just take an article in the journal Journal of physiology for example titled muscle nuclei remember to cheat death from 2013. It ends with the following passage taken together these data suggest that one once you acquire a myonucleus it's essentially permanent and two More nuclei translate into greater capacity for regrowth, which presumably translates into enhanced muscle strength and or speed. These observations have significant public health implications, especially with regards to resistance exercise in the young and potentially to reduce the risk of sarcopenia during aging. There are also potential ramifications for the sporting community. All athletes acquire their myonuclei through persistent hard work, but some individuals can unfairly supplement their pool by cheating with anabolic steroid use. Since the benefits of steroid administration may persist well after the circulating hormone levels are returned to baseline, it may be very hard to catch violators. Obtaining muscle biopsies from athletes to determine if they have ill gotten nuclei is invasive, unethical akin to assault and likely to be ambiguous. This study reveals a potential new hurdle in terms of race between athletes and ethics and others demoralizing realization that perhaps some cheaters may prosper. So from this you would think that you will always have the enhanced ability to regain muscle mass and it's quite an interesting concept because I had always personally thought about this in the sense of A natural situation. But I had never really thought about it as, say, someone starts cycling or weightlifting uh, at 18 or starts, say, at 16. Does two years naturally. Then at 18 to 20, does another two years enhanced. Then thinks, right, I'm actually quite good. I want to compete at this. But I need to do it clean as to not get banned or caught by anti-doping. So they clear their system of the uh, prohibited drugs but maintain this ability to build a greater amount of muscle or in cycling have a higher FTP, for example. Now, whether they have, it translates to FTP, because it's the same thing in to extend, extent you've got this concept of uh, like a fitness memory effectively. But we're talking about muscle mass, so we'll keep to that. I had never really thought about it in that way, so let's continue. But if we look at a paper titled... Muscle mass and strength gains following six months of resistance type exercise training are only partially preserved with one year with uh, autonomous exercise continuation in older adults. From a 2019, sorry, published in 2019, we get a new and different idea on all of this, which was completely new to me. So the systematic review and meta-analysis aim to evaluate myonuclear and satellite cell uh, content in human and rodent skeletal muscle undergoing hypertrophy, atrophy or detraining with a focus on unraveling the concepts of muscle memory and myonuclear permanence. The findings revealed intriguing patterns across both species, shedding light on complexities and muscle adaptions. In human skeletal muscle, a consistent trend emerged showing lower myonuclear and uh, Sorry, satellite cell content during atrophy, aging, and post-detraining. Notably, the decrease observed during detraining signif- signified a return to pre-training levels. Age-related differences were apparent with young adults experiencing a more pronounced decrease in type 1 cross-sectional area following detrained compared to the older adult. These observations show the influence of age on skeletal muscle plasticity. rodent studies provided additional layers to the narrative myonuclear content in rodents exhibited resilience remaining elevated during detraining following overload induced hypertrophy however the stability of myonuclei in rodents was less clear due to limited study numbers and variations in experimental design the magnitude of myonuclear elevation in rodents surpassed that in humans suggesting species specific differences in dynamics of the muscle adaptations. Now, challenging the prevailing notion of myonuclear permanence during detraining in humans, the meta-analysis indicated a clear return to baseline levels. This finding raised questions about enduring nature of myonuclei acquiring during hypertrophy, the rodent model, while showing some retention, also hinted at variability in myonuclear dynamics. Despite the intriguing findings, the review acknowledged several limitations. The evidence supporting muscle memory may be largely anecdotal due to the scarcity of human-animal uh, studies, uh, heterogeneity across studies involving different muscles and uh, varied rates of hypertrophy, post-challenges in resulting interpretation, Now this may be leading you to think well clearly um, I'm a fine example. I went to the gym, I took some time off and then I regained the muscle much faster the second time. So this is not to say muscle memory does not exist. So let's look at uh, epigenetic factors which have also been researched as well as in studies such as Human skeletal muscle possesses an epigenetic memory of hypertrophy published in 2018. Just as a quick note. Epigenetics is the study of how your behaviours and environment, how your behaviours and the environment can cause changes that affect the way your genes actually work. Unlike genetic changes, epigenetic changes are reversible and do not change your DNA sequence, but they can change your body reads the DNA sequence and gene methylation is a chemical modification of the DNA and other molecules that may be retained as cells divide to make more cells. When found in DNA, methylation can alter gene expression. Now, this study uh, delves into the unexplored realm of epigenetic memory in adult um, human skeletal muscle following encounters with growth stimuli, fatally resistance training. Employing genome-wide analysis, including DNA methylation, profiling of 850,000 CPGs, and gene expression assessment, the research investigated the dynamics of muscle uh, sorry of muscle hypertrophy, uh, return to baseline muscle mass during unloading, and subsequent hypertrophy during reloading. A significant um, revelation emerged as the study uncovered an increased frequency of hypomethylation across the genome after reloading, surpassing the levels observed during initial loading phase. This shift in methylation patterns pointed towards a potential epigenetic memory associated with the reloading phase. The genes affected maintained their hypermethylated status even during unloading, when muscle mass reverted to control levels. This pre- uh, persistence suggested a lasting memory encoded in the methylation signatures of these genes following earlier hypertrophy. Uh, in summary, the research sheds light onto critical role of FTP genetics in muscle hypertrophy and memory, the identification of previously under s- Studied genes, They're persistent hypermethylation, and enhanced gene expression across different phases of the muscle loading and unloading provided a foundation for further exploration into um, mechanisms underlying genetic memory in adult human skeletal muscle. Now, essentially, to me, it's, it's a kind of twofold because you've got studies saying that uh, the nuclei are back uh, to baseline after, say, for example, a year. So it could be that if you return to training within say six months you'd see a faster uh, muscle memory effect and then long term say a year, two years then it is this methylation or hypermethylation of these um, cells that is resulting in the muscle memory effect much further down the line. So where does this leave you? Hopefully given all this it's clear to you you don't need to worry about muscle mass and strength loss in the short term say for example a two week holiday and in the long term a bit of resistance training can go a long way to maintaining the muscle mass and strength that you have. Has this change of view on breaks? Let me know um, how you will be going about your next holiday or training phase via email or on discord. For more content like this, explore my previous episodes and consider following, rating, sharing the podcast, share your thoughts or suggest future topics at the VO2lounge at gmail.com or on the VO2lounge Discord server, links all down below. Thank you for tuning in and until next time, it is goodbye.